You're listening to Culture Rich. Culture Rich. Welcome, I'm Christina Michelle, inviting you to join me for Culture Rich Conversations, an ongoing feature of Juno Afternoon. Today, we'll continue with our second Banned Books by Black Authors episode. I'm joined by Marjorie Phoenix, Kasheya Williams, and Kendra Tarrell Gaines. Together, we'll dive deep into Toni Morrison's first novel, The Bluest Eye. We'll discuss the main themes of race, social class, and gender in this novel, uncover why it was banned, as well as how this beautifully written work has impacted our lives. From KTOO and Juno, this is Culture Rich Conversations. Culture Rich Conversations is underwritten by Mark Stofa and Sarah Hannon, celebrating Juno's diversity of culture, language, and heritage. The Black Awareness Association would like to take a moment to recognize that Culture Rich Conversations is broadcast from Flinket Ani. We acknowledge those families who made use of this land and waterways for thousands of years and still cherish it as an important part of their way of life for today and future generations. Gunalschish, thank you. I'm Christina Michelle. Welcome Marjorie, Kasheya, and Kendra. Thank you so much for joining me today. I'm very excited to talk about this novel. I'll share a little bit about the background of the book. So The Bluest Eye was written by cultural trailblazer Toni Morrison, who received countless awards Mm -hmm. and accolades, including the Nobel Prize in Literature, the Pulitzer Prize for Fiction, and the Presidential Medal of Freedom, just to name a few. Her book was first banned back in March of 1999, and it has stayed on that list ever since. According to PBS, it was banned due to sexually explicit material, graphic descriptions, and an underlying socialist communist agenda. Welcome back to Culture Rich Conversations. I'm Christina Michelle. We are just coming back from a break, getting some technical difficulties worked out, and I think we've got it together. So I am joined here by my guests, Marjorie, Kendra, and Cassia, and we are discussing The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison. So where we left off was the ladies introducing themselves. So Marjorie, if you can uh, go ahead and unmute and just share a little bit about yourself where you're calling from and um, why you're excited to have this conversation with us today. Hi, yes. Thank you for having me. I am calling in from Orlando, Florida, and um, I I know a lot of you are familiar with what's going on here in Florida um, with all of the the book bans. And so um, we're actually leading the nation with the number of book bans. And of course, the book that we're discussing this evening is on that list. Um, And so this is a really important conversation for me um, as well that I work with an academic think tank. And a part of our work right now is really going around the country country and making people aware uh, about all of these book bans happening and um, someone like Toni Morrison um, and the stories that she's telling, um, I think it's important for everyone to hear. So I'm happy to be here tonight to, to be able to discuss that. 
Excellent. Thank you so much, Marjorie. And Kasia. Hi, I am calling in from Dallas, Texas. Um, and uh, I'm uh, in a, a state very similar to Florida in that, you know, Texas is making a lot of effort to uh, also ban a lot of books. The bluest eye was actually taken off that list. Um, which is, you know, good, but it's still um, one that I think is very controversial in, you know, the the state that we're in now. So I'm just, you know, really excited to talk about Toni Morrison. I, uh, you know, I'm familiar with her work from, just familiar with her in general. I've always just admired her. Um, and I read Beloved many, many years ago, and I've just wanted to kind of get back into reading more of her work and just learning more about her through her work. And, um, you know, so that's why I'm here today. Wonderful. Thank you, Kasia and Kendra. Hello, my name is Kendra Gaines. I am from Toledo, Ohio. Um, I believed it was important to be on this call today. Well, one, um, to talk about the importance of banned books, because not too long ago, I was very ignorant to the subject matter. Um, I wasn't informed um, about I didn't know or and I didn't educate myself about the importance of banned books in the United States. I was always educated on other countries and how they were rejected, how the books um, books are being rejected in their countries. And so like was important. Um, I'm a big fan of Toni Morrison, as well as I believe in educating those. So I work in higher education. And so this is really important and exciting for me to be here today. Excellent. Thank you so much, Cassia, Marjorie, and Kendra. So before we went to the break, I explained a little bit about The Bluest Eye and that it was written by cultural trailblazer Toni Morrison and that it was banned in March of 1999. Uh, the reason cited was sexually explicit material, graphic descriptions, and an underlying socialist communist agenda. Uh, so I'll start with you, Marjorie. What are your thoughts on um, the reason why this book was banned? Well, we've been hearing a lot of that um, about um, the book bannings and um, some of the reasons that they used here was, um, you know, sexually explicit themes, uh, describing child abuse. Um, but we know that the stories that we're telling about our communities need to be told. Um, and so, you know, and Toni Morrison knew that she knew that there was there was more to this story than just um, some of, um, you know, some of the, the, the subject matters that make us uncomfortable. Um, you know, some of the themes that are running through this are a lot deeper than that. And I think what she's trying to show us here and why this book shouldn't be banned um, and really be taught in high schools, I think, is because it just it paints this uh, picture for us of not just the external social inequalities, but also with social inequalities, how it's internalized. Right. And so it shows us internalized racism um, through the legacy of slavery and segregation and how that manifests. So I think that goes in part with some of what we're seeing with the pattern of some of the other books that are being banned when it talks about slavery and it talks about systemic racism and it talks about social inequalities. These are the things that they really don't want 
to be taught. They don't want us to know more about this. And so that's, you know, that's really the reason why, because they don't want us to know the truth to really understand, um, you know, how the system is in this country. Thank you, Marjorie. Kasia, uh, do you have anything to add to that? Um, much in the same way, you know, of what uh, Marjorie was just saying, I think that um, Toni Morrison's work in general, and particularly uh, this book, just calls into focus um, white supremacy and how it just, you know, permeates society and the, you know, just the ill effects that it's had on society, um, you know, since slavery through Jim Crow up until now. And I think that's what's actually being banned, um, not, you know, the the book is not sexually explicit, sexually explicit in a way that is pornographic or anything like that. Um, but, you know, like Marjorie was saying, what is being banned is just the, you know, that call out of white supremacy and how ugly it is and, you know, what it has done to society. And they don't want to, to hear that, I think. And this is the reason why we have these conversations. They are so important. Um, so let's talk about the significance of the title, The Bluest Eye. Um, Kendra, would you like to share from your perspective why uh, Toni Morrison chose that title? Absolutely. Um, I believe she told this story, named it this book, because she's telling a story that so many Black women, Black children experience sometimes especially being I don't just seeing the depictions of media and things like that and it's easier to say that I would rather be something else because the way I'm being treated per how I look is not being considered worthy enough in society there's something so much better being idolized and worshipped in, in the society that is teaching us what beauty and standards are and I think it's important that she named it this to the bluest eye. I remember being a, a young black girl and not being able to pick up dolls that look like me. I know what it's like mm. to not have the things, you know, not have those pictures. When I was growing up, there wasn't a whole lot of black hair care products. And some of them weren't the best smelling. They weren't the easiest to use. You know, your mom was burning your, your skin, you know, trying to make sure you looked like at a certain level of beauty standard. I know that's funny, but like you have, it's, I think it was so important for her to name this book that because I remember saying, God, I want to one day wake up and be light skinned. And this characters in this book were kind of were saying that through so many things, through so many different ways. And so I think it's so important that she titled this book that. Well said. Thank you so much, Kendra. Um, Marjorie or Cassia, do you, would you like to add to that? Yeah, I'll, I'll go ahead and jump in. Yeah, I, I I agree with what Kendra just said. Um, there is, and we can see it now, this, they equate this assimilation to whiteness as this, this symbol of, of beauty. And we know that, it, we think about that study that was done with the baby, with the uh, doll babies, right? And all of the children chose the white baby doll over the black baby doll because they, you know, they connected that to being um, beautiful, that that was more preferred. And so, um, you know, the bluest eye was like the purest, the blonde hair, the blue eyes. And so Tony really went there when it comes to that um, and, and that proximity to whiteness and assimilation to whiteness and, um, and how they've sort of, 
um, pushed on this this culture uh, to to the uh, to black people that beauty lies in this blonde hair, this blue eye, and being um, and whiteness. Yeah. Thank you, Marjorie. So what instances of racism did you observe in this book? Cassia, we can start with you. Um, uh, there were many of them, but I think there were uh, there was one that stood out to me and that was um, kind of the where we saw Charlie's hatred of himself and women happen. Um, when he had the sexual encounter with the young lady and he was essentially, you know, dehumanized and um, emasculated, you know, during this this time uh, by the police officers that found him and how he how that, you know, the way they talked to him, it was, you know, very dehumanizing and, you know, just looking down on him and just making, you know, it was he didn't know how to internalize that hatred and and it instead of turning it back on them, he, you know, took it inwards and then it became, he, it made, you know, the, the young lady, the object of his hatred because of what, you know, that racist encounter that he had. And I think that really stood out in my mind because I think that was, you know, amongst a lot of other things that were defining in his life. I think that encounter was really kind of the um, the main catalyst as to, you know, the way the story progressed from there and, you know, the relationship that he ended up having with, you know, uh, Piccola's mother and then, even you know, eventually Piccola. So that was one that stood out for me. Thank you. And Kendra? I think there there's so many. I think there's internalized racism. There's racial violence, um, given with Pocola's father, um, when he faced racism and humiliation. I think looking at colorism and white supremacy are being displayed within this book. And so I think there's a lot of different ways racism was displayed. And I I value it because I think it's though it's in an earlier time, it's still similar to what we're experiencing day to day today um, with sexual violence and racism and racial stereotypes and things like that and internalized racism that we may feel. Um, and we're seeing racial violence daily in the United States today. And so, yeah. Absolutely. Thank you. Um, what role does social class play in the story? Let's talk about that. And Marjorie, I'll ask you to share first. Yeah, so um, you could see that within the community, right? There's this social hierarchy at play. And I think particularly about the, um, there's the character, um, Geraldine, um, who considers herself middle class, right? Um, and she removes herself from everyone else. She looks down on um, the other poor black people or people, black people that don't aspire uh, to be middle class like her. And then you also see in how those that are housed versus those that are renting a room versus those that live outside are viewed. Right. And it's this attitude amongst everyone in the community. Um, well, yeah, here's what I am, but at least I'm not that. I'm not you, right? And they're they're judging each other and determining 
who is worthy and who is deserving of respect. Nice. Thank you, Marjorie. Cassia, any uh, additional thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, I agree wholeheartedly with um, Marjorie. Uh, you, you see the layers, even within just the Black community, you see the layers of class. And it's um, even as far removed as they were from, you know, the white citizens, uh, the ones that they worked for, the ones who, you know, had more means than they did. You could see how within the Black community and um, you know, where they lived, how they kind of mimicked, you know, what they saw about white society. So there was, you know, that the hierarchy even there. So, right, you said, you know, Geraldine considered herself kind of outside of everybody else. They, you know, talked to, in the book, they described her as, you know, like the sugar, she was different. She was sugar brown and, you know, what they had and the, they had more than one room in their house and, you know, just all of that. Um, and then you, even between, you know, Pecola's friends, her family, and then the Brie loves, the Brie loves were even lower than, you know, the little, you know, the, the ones who were already poor, they were even poor and even lower. And it, it was, it's just amazing to see how um, they, you know, how, how society separates itself, even amongst those who don't have anything, we still find a way to separate ourselves and to, you know, have a leg up on whoever we see, you know, as being below us. Thank you, Cassia and Kendra. Cassia, I 110% agree with everything that you have said and Marjorie as well. Um, we're going to separate ourselves regardless. We're going to, we will figure out a way to divide ourselves. Um, and I think when we're talking about social class and the things looking at the Breedlove family, when they have the, they have this rundown home and they're living in the covered section of town and they have these financial struggles and they're, this is contributing to this family's issues and dysfunction and the problems that they're experiencing. And we will still figure out a way to think we're better than, or how do we separate ourselves even more than what society has already divided ourselves. And so I, I, it has, I think this book has done a great job as what I've said in other questions and answers, but I think it's done a great job as displaying how as white people, we will still figure out a way to diminish ourselves or separate ourselves or segregate ourselves from other Black people in order to make ourselves feel better. Um, so, yeah. Excellent. Thank you so much, ladies. If you're just tuning in, I'm here with my guests, Marjorie Phoenix, Cassia Williams, and Kendra Tyrell Gaines. And we've been discussing the main themes of Toni Morrison's first novel, The Bluest Eye. And this is part of our banned books by Black Authors series. I'm Christina Michelle, and we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. Oh, 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 
Welcome back. I'm Christina Michelle, and I'm continuing the conversation about Toni Morrison's first novel, The Bluest Eye, with my guests Kendra, Cassia, and Marjorie. So let's talk about Pacola, who is one of the main characters in The Bluest Eye. How would you describe Pacola as a character? And Cassia, we'll start with you. Uh, Pacola is so interesting, and it's um, interesting because she does not have a lot to say in this book. Um, we're kind of left to kind of paint a picture of her based on how she, what she doesn't say and how she, how her mannerisms and how she acts. And I think, uh, you know, we watch her, she's just a young black 11 year old girl. We're told that she's ugly. Um, we don't really know what that means. It's not like a, a descriptive you know, not a, a major description given about what necessarily makes her ugly. So you're kind of left to think, okay, she's ugly because she has black features. Um, and she internalizes that and she just becomes kind of a, she's never given the space and the love to, I think, develop herself, her, her own personality and her own character. And she just internalizes this self-hatred, which, you know, expresses itself as this um, obsession over blue eyes and it's you know it's sad to watch her kind of descent into essentially madness um you know over blue eyes but you know that's that's kind of how I I saw her thank you Cassia Kendra Kendra I saw Pacola as me um if I could say that but I saw Pacola as vulnerable fragile innocent um internalized self-hatred, not knowing how to express it, but it's being built off of racism and things like that. And um, I saw her trying to function within a dysfunctional family and trying to understand family struggles and understand how does life and society work and she become a factor within it. But being so young and trying to understand tragedy um, and being a victim of tragedy and racism and beauty standards that aren't allowing her to feel uplifted and I I saw myself in her and I saw the self-esteem and the identity issues that she experienced. Thank you, Kendra. And Marjorie? Yeah, you know, Kasha's right. We didn't really have this description of her. And so as I'm reading um, about this this child's life, um, you know, I get the sense this this broken child, right? One of the most broken of our society, destroyed by the violence at the hands of those that should have been protecting her. And she was um, fragile, like Kendra said, but she was also an imaginative child um, to really think that you know to have blue eyes was going to to save her, and so she'd be loved. And I think that we can see, we see Pacola um, through the many different lenses of the other characters. But my experience um, with her through the pages um, is I saw her as um, like almost like a, a little flower, a beautiful little flower that went without water, had too much sun and wilted petals, um, is not budding, not opening, and the stem is broken. Um, that's how I would describe Pacola. Wow, Marjorie, are you an author yourself? That's such beautiful imagery you just gave us. I love that. 
So I'm going to ask about the impact that the bluest eye had on your life. There's so much that we could talk about with this book, and we lost some time with the audio in the beginning. But I really want to get to this question so that our listeners really have an idea of um, how it impacted you and what they might expect uh, if they choose to read this book themselves. Um, Cassia, we'll start with you. Uh, there's just so many takeaways uh, personally for, from this book, but um, just starting with, you know, Pecola and, you know, reading her story. And, you know, like Kendra said, I saw myself in Pecola as well. I remember being a little girl, um, you know, getting hot combs, all of that. I remember all of that. Um, and I remember um, I had a little uh, white friend. She had long blonde hair. And I just remember thinking about how I'm sure she ain't got to do these hot combs, you know, on Sunday. And so I remember tying um, ribbons in my hair and like pretending that that was my long blonde hair. You know what I mean? And so I, I have a, a little, I have a girl, she's uh, 13. And ever since she's dark skinned, beautiful, gorgeous, black features. Um, but I, you know, ever since she was small, I've always been, adamant about just telling her how beautiful she was she's so pretty she's so cute so I get on her nerves tell her you know tell her how pretty she is all the time so but you know and I this I think this book has just emphasized the importance of doing that the importance of just instilling the message of black beauty within you know our society you know in our black girls and in our black boys as well because it's so much is tied into beauty and how you see yourself and if we allow society you know white standards to 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 compare ourselves to white standards of beauty does not work you know we we have our own standards we're beautiful our skin is beautiful you know our black features are beautiful and i think that you know just bring it breaking those curses of, um, you know, self-hatred and internalized hatred and growing up wanting to be something other than what you look like so that you can receive love. Um, that is an important, you know, takeaway for me that I, you know, just, you know, just as I go through through life and raise my own children. Thank you, Kasia and Kendra. For me, this has excuse me, my phone's dying. For me, this has um, allowed me to reflect and have it, oh, excuse me, the book has had impact on me regarding having empathy and understanding for others um, who has faced discrimination per how they look um, or those who have been burdened with self-esteem issues um, or felt marginalized because of the way that they've looked as well as for me to appreciate um, literary art like this um, and for me to allow this to have things like this to have me reflect on my self-identity um, and to ask myself questions about self-worth and the impact of external influences um, that the media has provided and things like that and to question my self-image not question in a negative sense but question you know you feel good about yourself today right you know you're beautiful today right and to affirm myself in the things that I do um, and if the sources of media that aren't providing me making me feel the best that I can that day sometimes I got to turn it off and look at other things and so this book has reminded me of those and I appreciate discussions like this where we can talk about these complex issues and have a sense of empowerment when I get off this like I feel great having this conversation and talking about this awesome piece of work um in this art so yes well said Kendra thank you so much and Marjorie 
And to answer your question, previous question to me, Christina, yes, I, I'm a writer and I'm, I'm an author. Um, but one of one of the first books I read by Toni Morrison was actually Jazz. Um, that and along with Maya Angelou inspired me to write. But um, in this book, the way she pulled me in and made me feel about some of the things that I was reading that I otherwise would not want to feel. It really was what, it made me a little bit uncomfortable, I have to say. Um, and it made me take stock of how I'm navigating my world as an Afro-Caribbean woman with lighter skin tone and curly hair and how that has open this door of acceptance sometimes into the white world, then also reflecting on how sometimes I didn't feel as accepted in my own community, in the Black community, um, not being Black enough. Um, so when I, I read uh, Maureen's character, I automatically saw myself, right? Not you know, knowing but not yet fully understanding at that age, only knowing because of what I was told by my elders and how people responded to me. So this was the first time that I was really shown what it all meant for me um, as this Black woman in this space in my personal life at that time. So. Thank you so much, Marjorie. Well, as we come to the end of this show, I would love if you guys could share a favorite quote that stands out for you from this novel. And hopefully I'm not putting you on the spot, but if you have one to share, I would love to hear it. Cassia, we'll start with you. I, yeah, I have one. Um, this is after, uh, you know, we kind of see her, you know, become obsessed with these blue eyes when she thinks that she has um, blue eyes. But um, I like this quote. This is actually towards almost the very end. But um, it says, we were so beautiful when we stood astride her ugliness. We were so beautiful. I'm sorry. We, her simplicity decorated us. Her guilt sanctified us. Her pain made us glow with her health with health her awkwardness made us think we had a sense of humor her inarticulateness made us believe we were eloquent her poverty kept us generous even her waking dreams we used to silence our own nightmares and she led us and thereby deserved our contempt we honed our egos on her padded our characters with her frailty and yawned in the fantasy of her own strength beautiful thank you so much Cassia. And Marjorie, if you have one, you can uh, share it with us. If not, that's okay. I do not have a favorite favorite quote. I have um, some favorite passages and that was uh, narrative, but I don't have a quote. Sorry. <laughs> no worries. And Kendra? Um, for me, it is beauty was not simply something to behold. It was something one it was something one could do. So for me, that was it, it reminded me a lot of how I felt about myself and what I was looking at as a young when I was younger to understand what it was like to try to figure out what was beautiful. Um, 
And I was always trying to do the, the trend that uh, I went to school with a lot of white girls that were trying to do things that they were doing to feel better about myself. And beauty is in the eye of the beholder and beauty is what I defined it as myself. And I'm confident in who I am. And I, the books like this remind me that it's okay to be a black woman and be the way that I look and to be powerful and to walk the way I walk. And so this is my favorite quote from this book. Um, sorry, it took me a little second to find it. I had to, <laughs> I was on my computer searching to remember what exactly it was, but thank you for calling on me. Of course, I appreciate that. I didn't mean to put you ladies on the spot, but I love when we can share a quote because it really just summarizes um, the thing that hit home for us um, in individually. And I think that it paints a beautiful picture for uh, the people who are listening and who might be inspired to pick up the book and find their own favorite quote in there. So I would love to thank my guests, Marjorie, uh, Cassia, and Kendra for being here today and for having this conversation. And is there anything that you would like to share in closing? I'd like to say that if um, any of the listeners have not read this book, I really want to encourage them um, to pick it up and read. It can be challenging, but I think that, um, again, like I said at the beginning, um, these stories are so important. Um, it's fiction, but then it's not as well. And so I think that the only way that we are going to come to a place where we can um, understand one another and be able to dialogue with un with one another, um, I think it, it is going to be through these types of stories. And so if it's bad, that means you need to read it. <laughs> Thank you, Marjorie and Kendra. Marjorie, you took the words right out of my mouth. If it's banned, you need to read it. Um, you, We need to start being an advocate for books like this and others and to make sure that we are reminding people that these books are being banned for a reason. And that means they're probably saying something that's worth hearing about. So take the time to see what your local state laws are saying about banned books and to read them. <laughs> figure out how to get access to them and be an advocate for racism, be an advocate for beauty standards that can be fitting for anyone and everyone, be an advocate for someone else that, are, that is being marginalized um, and take the time to read this book in particular. So thank you so much for having me as well. I do want to say that. Thank you so much. This has been amazing. So thank you. Thank you, Kendra and Kasia. Uh, just echoing the same things that Marjorie and Kendra said, um, you know, if it's banned, definitely pick it up. Um, this book will make you uncomfortable, but there is growth in, you know, in discomfort. So, you know, definitely pick it up. It's a very important book. And um, also just, you know, thank you for this opportunity. This has been amazing. Didn't expect it at all, but um, I've loved it. Okay, well, that is the conclusion of our show today. Again, I want to thank my guests and I thank the listening audience and thank everybody for your patience with us. Um, we appreciate you for listening today and we look forward to hearing your feedback. You can share anything that you have to with us at junobaa at gmail.com. Today's show was produced by Natasha Boozer. And until next week, may your life be blessed and flow with ease. I'm Christina Michelle, and this is Culture Rich Conversations.